The Olympics just started a few days ago. People have been training for years to get to the Olympics. So I'm going to talk to you about training yourself to live a winner's life. Walk it out. Training yourself to live a winner's life. Training yourself. Training yourself to live a winner's life. This message is exclusively for people. Exclusively for people that are seeking to live in perpetual victory. And I'd like to begin this series from Hebrews 5, verse 11 through verse 14 from the New International Version of the Bible. I do recommend that you find it either in your Bible or on your electronic device, although I'm going to supply it on the screen because over the next 15 to 20 minutes, I'll need to refer back to it. But I'm going to talk about walk it out, walk it out, walk it out. To do that, I'd like to begin at verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 5. Would you read it with me aloud with strong voices, please, uh, as it appears on the screen? This is verse 11. Can we read together? We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Next verse. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Next verse. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Last verse. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Would you read this verse again, please? But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You've heard the old expression, practice makes perfect. That is true. But if you practice right, it makes you perfect in right. If you practice wrong, it makes you perfect in error. And so the question is, and you saw several things in the reading of these verses, two classifications of people. Would you repeat this after me? Infants and mature. Uh, two classifications of food. W would you repeat this? Milk and meat. Now somewhere... In your life, uh, you're either an infant in the Lord or you're mature in the Lord. You either have to have milk or milk won't do. You have to have meat. I want to respond to some of the following questions over these minutes. Number one, what is spiritual growth? Number two, how does spiritual growth happen in your life? Number three, which is very important, should we seek to grow or, like natural growth, does spiritual growth happen on its own? And in those verses, I think we'll find the answer to some of what we need to talk about because milk or meat represents spiritual diet. When I preach to you, when I teach you, what do I need to talk about in order for you to understand the spiritual principles? that I'm seeking to impart. 
Very important. Very important. After 38 years in ministry, I still wrestle with the whole idea of milk or meat. Because in so many places, you see large gatherings of people to hear something. But what they're all getting is milk. In other cases, you see few people gather to get meat. People who are into milk get confused with meat. People who are into meat get lost and bored with milk. And so the Bible teaches that all of us are to be growing in the Lord. And every preacher, believe this, every preacher, wants to be able to preach that one sermon that will turn every life around. I come out here every week hoping that that's the sermon. I'm hoping that this is it today. That what I say to you today will burden you to, to grow, to be better, to care more, to be more involved in your walk with the Lord. And if it doesn't work, I'll have to come back here next Sunday and try it all over again. And I keep coming back because I'm, I'm looking for growth. That's the only reason I showed up today. I'm looking for growth. People say, well, you know, um, I, I don't know if I'm being fed right. Well, that's a problem. I've known people to go from church to church. Now, just hold, hold your feet, hold your seat. People go from church to church, they say, well, what am I being fed? Well, you feed babies. Adults eat. If you have to feed an adult, they must be ill. I don't hear anybody. Babies have to be spoon-fed. And those who are mature learn how to eat what is prepared. I wish I had a witness. Let me say this. The Holy Spirit gives us the life that Jesus won for us at the cross. At the cross, Jesus won my new birth. But it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to give me the life that he won. I have it. But if I don't let, not the preacher, uh-uh, not the music ministry, uh-uh. If I don't let the Holy Spirit have his way in my life, I won't grow. Preacher can't do that. The music can't do that. That is something that I am responsible for as a child of God. Now, I'd like to start off today by saying to you, first of all, human nature must be trained. That's a part of life. Do you know how you were able to get here this morning? You were trained. Your mother, or whomever raised you, trained you how to take care of yourself when you first get out of bed in the morning. You have a routine. You go to the bathroom. You uh, have breakfast, or you clean yourself up. You were trained to do that. Things that weren't trained to do that, don't do that. Why did you comb your hair? Wash your face. Why did you brush your teeth? Why did you go to the closet and pick out clean clothes? Why didn't you just put on the same thing you've been wearing every day for the last five months that you haven't washed? Why? Because you were what? I don't hear you. You were trained to do that. Why do you say good morning or good night 
why do men open doors for women, or at least they used to, ladies? Why do ladies say thank you when a man opens the door? Although I know the genteel world is just about gone, right? Very few gentlemen, and regretfully, very few ladies anymore. But we do that because we were, please repeat, trained. How did you drive here in a car? You rode beside a driver almost every day of your life for 14 or 15 years. When they handed you the car keys, why couldn't you automatically drive your first time out? Because you had not been trained. And the government says it takes at least a year to train you how to drive, how to move in and out of traffic, how to take the exits. You know what a stoplight is. You know what a stop sign is. But you don't know how to stop until you've been, help me, human nature must be trained. And as human nature, as I have to be trained in those areas, I have to train my thoughts and actions as a Christian. My mind will do whatever it chooses to do unless I train it. I will think any kind of thing about you. I will curse you rather than speak to you. I will have a bad attitude unless I'm trained. When you take on a job, they put you through orientation. What are they doing? Training you. Not because, well, you're not an adult. You are an adult. Well, not because you're underage. You are of age or they never would have hired you. Not even because you're uneducated, because they checked that before they hired you. But even though you're smart, human, even though you're an adult, in order to be successful at that job for that company, I wish I had a witness, you have to be, same thing is true as a Christian. You have accepted the Lord, you've become a part of the church, but unless you're trained, you will waste years of energy, years of effort, years of time will just pass you by, and you will never be effective for God. And at the end of your life, you will look back over decades of being a Christian and not be able to put one thing down that you did for the kingdom. Because you were trained to drive a car, I don't have a witness, you were trained to have good hygiene. You were trained to eat right. You were trained on how to work on your career. But you were never trained to be a Christian. Can I work <coughs> in a data processing company or in a room where they develop software if I'm not trained? Can I work there? Yes, I can, as long as they don't fire me. But if I don't understand software, computers, if I don't know what I'm doing, if I don't understand computer programming, if my training is in Windows but I'm dealing with Linux, or if my training is in Linux and I'm dealing with Windows, what do I have to be? Retrained. You know why we have so many saints that don't do saintly work? They're in church but not trained. Let's go deeper. You know why so many Christians live a life of suffering and defeat? They have never trained themselves to win. How do you get in the Olympics? 
You wake up one morning and you say, they're having the Olympics in Rio next week. I'm going to sign up. You go down to Rio, you stand in line, you said, I'm here to participate. You haven't been trained in track and field. You haven't been trained in basketball. You're going to swim with Michael Phelps, and you've never had a swimming lesson. You're just as old as he is. You're, you're just as strong as he is. You're just as intelligent as he is, but you haven't been trained. I don't have a witness. How could Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, Go to the pros and flunk like he's flunk because he has been trained, but his mind is messed up on drugs. Even on drugs, he made the NFL because of his training. I wish you'd pray with me. When you've been trained, you can do stuff right even when you ain't in your right mind. That's how valuable training is. I used to go to the football practice, and I would participate, and I would find it very difficult. You know why? Because I hadn't been trained. I found it difficult. Look at the words in verse 14. The writer says, who by constant use have trained themselves in righteousness. Not the preacher's job, not the deacon's job, not the church's job. I have to take responsibility for Sherman Young. My church is to offer me areas where training can take place or even information to help me, but it is up to me to do that, train themselves. The problem in, in life is people want to feel stuff first and then do it rather than do it first and then feel it. As you get older, I'm talking to the old folk now that will say amen to this. A lot of the stuff you used to love doing in life, you don't feel like doing it anymore. But you make yourself do it until you feel it. See, when you're young, you feel like getting up early. <coughs> when you're young, you feel like, you know, going, going for it. As you get older, you know you have to do it whether you feel like it or not. So you go to work not feeling like it. I don't have a witness. Anybody here ever, ever got a degree? You ever graduated high school? You ever got a diploma? Anybody here ever earned a degree in college? Tell the truth. Did you feel like it? When you had to take final exams, did you feel like it? Let's talk about working out. Anybody here ever did a workout regimen on a daily basis? Did you feel like getting up at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock? Do you feel, you know why most people don't have decent health? We want to feel it first and then do it. Rather than do it first and then feel it. I wish I had a witness here. Even in life, in marriage, all of that happens. We lose the feeling, but the responsibility is still there. The problem with our spiritual growth is people will Sit down on God because they don't feel like it. Say hallelujah. Oh, I don't feel like it. Well, stand to your feet. Oh, I don't feel like it. Well, everybody clap their hands. <laughs> really, I don't feel like it. And pastor, here's what people will say. I don't want to be no hypocrite. You're not supposed to praise unless your heart is in it. Well, who taught you that? No, it's the opposite. You praise until your heart gets in it. Oh, I don't have any help. 
See, it's only in the Lord where people want to feel something emotionally before they obey the word and serve God. The truth is the reason why more people don't evangelize, more people don't witness, the reason why more people don't pray in public, the reason why more people shun public speaking in church, the reason why more people don't sing in choirs and praise teams and serve on bands is because we don't feel it. Worldly uh, things say what you feel is what you need to do. When kingdom, a kingdom mind is the opposite. Because to train something means it doesn't come naturally or easily. If you're going to train me to be a champion swimmer, at some point you're going to make me mad. Because you're going to force me to do better what I think I'm doing best. I don't have a witness. There's a movie. I don't necessarily recommend that you watch it because it's, it's kind of gross and vulgar. Uh, but it's a movie called Whiplash. And it's on a mu young musician that wants to join a certain band in New York City. Number one band in the country. And they're try he's trying to earn a spot on the band playing drums. He does the best he can, but his best ain't good enough. And the man over the band, using profanity, every word, every word, every word, every word, every word, makes him go harder and harder and harder until his hands bleed from the drumsticks. You say you're doing your best. Are you bleeding yet? You say, I love the Lord. Are you bleeding yet? Because unless it costs me something, it couldn't be my best. Unless I'm losing something of my life that I love and feel that I have to have, I need that, then I'm not doing my best. My best is only achieved when I lose what I love in an effort to gain what I'm after. Training, Muhammad Ali said, I hate it. Every minute of training, it was only the championship fights that I loved. When I won the belt, I loved that. But having to get up, having to run, having to do push-ups and sit-ups and crunches, having to shadow box and beat the bag, I hated every minute. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to serve the Lord, it doesn't mean you're going to love your service. I want to do what I enjoy. Well, you may never be effective for Jesus. How come I'm not getting any shouts? Oh, I just love to watch him preach. I just love to watch her sing. It looks like she just really enjoys herself. Well, that's nice, but that's not what we're called to do. We may enjoy, but the joy comes through Muhammad Ali winning. But the only way to win is to give up in order to gain. I've got to finish this for today, but athletes, musicians, performers, waiters and waitresses or servers in restaurants, all train. We train our children, don't we? We used to, right? Don't you get upset when you're in a restaurant and the family next to you has some untrained children? Oh, I don't have any help. Some parents just let their children terrorize the restaurant. 
ought to be arrested for domestic terrorism. But we were raised by our moms and dads to sit still. If we even raised our voice, we would get in trouble. Now you're in the restaurant trying to enjoy your food, and there's a family about 10 tables down, and their kid is all the way up at your table. And they run around, and they make noise. You say, oh, you, you need some home training. We train our pets. One of the big uh, problems with me raising children is that I would train the dog, but they love the dog too much to keep the training going. You know what loving too much means? You don't walk him because you don't want him to get tired. So you let him do his business on the carpet. You love him too much. We train pets. We train plants. Do you know you can train hedges? I've had hedges in the yard and professionals come by. The hedges were growing so fast and so wild. And he said, no, Reverend, we can train the hedges where they will grow at the same pace more slowly. And you won't have to cut them and trim them as much. If hedges should be trained, children should be trained, pets should be trained, I have to train my soul. Would you repeat that after me? I must train my soul. But watch this. I must train my faith. I have faith, but it's untrained. If it's untrained, I can never focus it on what I need to focus it on. Oh, I have faith. Everybody in this room has faith. You say, but why am I not delivered? Or why am I not healed? Or why am I not prospering? Because it may be faith untrained. The purpose of the Bible is to teach me how to train my faith. I have it. I know I have it. Here's the old, remember the old simple test for faith? The Sunday school teacher said, you walked in this room and sit down in that chair without even testing it. That's how you know you have faith. Well, that is right. You didn't test your chair. You got in your car this morning, and you didn't check the whole car. Do you know before you fly, I flew a couple of times last week, about four times last week. You know before you, before you fly, they check the whole plane to make sure it can handle the job? Do you check your car before you drive it, or you just run up there and jump in the seat? Did you check the air pressure in your tires today, all four, and the spare, to make sure that it had air in it? Did you get up under the hood before you got in that car? That car can kill you. Did you look under the hood to make sure the wires were in the right place, the hoses were in the right place? What did you do? Got in your car. Help me. You can talk back to me. What did you do? You got in the car with faith. You crunk up the car, if that's the right word. With faith, you put the car in drive with faith. You trusted the gas gauge. It said there was gas in it. Did you look in the tank? Did you even take a stick or something and stick it down the hole and pull it out to make sure there was gas in there? You use faith to get here. You have faith to win. You have faith for victory. You have faith to be in charge of your life. You have faith to take authority over your life. The question is, have you trained it? Have to train it. Even our children should be trained to serve God. You know why I'm in church today? I have to be honest with you. I'm not in church because I saw Billy Graham preaching on TV. Some are. 
but not me. Some are, but not me. I'm not in church because I was passing by one day with a broken heart, and I saw a cross, and I said, I think I'll go there. Some of you got in there that way. You know why I'm in church? I was trained to serve the Lord. My parents wouldn't take no for an answer. I had to go to church. And you know some of those Sundays, you know what I said to mama? I don't feel like going. What happened? You still have to go. And dare you to sit up in church and look like you didn't feel like being there. Laying all to the side, half sleep. Those mothers back then, we don't have them like that now, do we? They would take you by the arm, drag you outside. When you got back in there, you'd look like you love being in the house of God. You train your children. You don't let your children sit up in God's house and act like they wish they were home playing a video game. I don't have a witness here. You train them to love God. You train them to serve God. And however you serve is how they will serve. You know why I'm on time? Because my, my dad was always on time. You know why I participate in the full worship? Because my father didn't believe in sitting back in the office until preaching time. He would be out in the church for the whole worship service, a part of the worship, not the main attraction, but a participant. I was preaching a revival a couple of weeks ago, and that first night, I got when the pastor got up in the office to go upstairs to the sanctuary, I stood up too. He said, oh, you don't have to go now. I'll send back for you. I said, no, if you're going, I'm going in. He said, you want to go in this early? I said, oh, yeah, I came to have church. I didn't come to stay downstairs so that right at preaching time, I can come up and everybody can say, oh, that's him. No, I came to enjoy Jesus. I wish I had a witness. I came to be a part of the celebration. So you have to train your faith. Everybody, please say, my faith must be trained. If my faith is untrained, I will shoot it at a target and miss. Because when you don't know how to do a thing, it comes naturally to do it wrong. Nobody, trust me, nobody happens up on right. We were born in sin. Error and mistake is us. You cannot do it right without God. Cannot do it right without him. You need him. And we train our faith in order to serve the Lord. And that's important. That we train our faith. We understand who we are in the Lord. And we train our faith. And as I close this, I want to give you the first one. And I'll give you the other two later on in the month. Would you repeat this after me? Train your heart to worship. <laughs> Train your heart to worship. <laughs> I'm a child of God. Worship is like my breath. This is the air I breathe. If I don't worship God, I will be like a raisin rather than a grape. Oh, God help me. If I don't train my heart to worship, I will be God's child with no evidence of being a Christian. Oh, I'm saved, but I'm defeated. And I will try, child of God, everything else to get me the victory rather than stand on my faith. I'll try the lottery. I'll try tricks and schemes. 
I'll sell drugs. I'll sell myself. I will low, live by low standards. Or I will try to borrow and beg up on all I can. Because my worship is out of place. My faith cannot be fertilized. Oh, I know I'm preaching. I don't know why y'all not shouting. I wish I had my crowd. That's pretty good. You need to tweet that. Because my worship is out of place. What Donald Trump, he treat, tweets all the time. <laughs> because my worship is out of place, my faith is unfertilized. Worship fertilizes my faith. Now, I have to train my worship. Can you say that? I got to go. Can you say train my worship? All right. To train my worship, what is worship? It's a celebration. Everybody please say worship is a celebration. And there are three things that worship has to be in a, if it's going to be a celebration. Lively, loud, and legitimate. My God. <laughs> My name is Sherman Young and I approve this message. Lively, loud, and legitimate. Who wants to go to a party that's not lively? I wish I had a witness here. It's Friday night. Party night. You got invited to two parties. And the one you went to, you decided to go to, is boring. What do you decide to do? Not just leave, but leave and where? Because it's not lively. You got there and the DJ didn't show up. Or you got there and the DJ that they paid is the cheapest one in town. So he's got a long jerry curl and wearing bell-bottom pants. Playing songs so old, you don't even know what the songs are. He's untrained, unskilled. He doesn't even know how to play one song behind another one. He plays one song and it stops. And then he's so out of touch, it takes him five minutes to find another record. It's not lively. So what do you do? You leave. Because worship is a celebration. It should be lively. But not only should it be lively, it should be loud. Come on, Psalm 100 verse 1. If you don't know it by heart, just, just, just listen to us do it. Come on, what is it? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That worship ought to have some sound. It ought to have some volume. I realize that there are some people, some Christians, and I, I don't question their faith, but they think that church ought to be quaint and quiet. There is a place for quiet in the house of God, but there is also a place for noise. It ought to be joyful noise. Not just any noise, but a noise that confirms the goodness of God. A noise that confirms my relationship with God. A noise that says that God is my keeper. God is my deliverer. God is my healer. God is my door opener. God is my heart fixer. God is my mind regulator. God is the one. It ought to be lively. That's all right. It ought to be loud. I said it ought to be loud. If you holler anywhere, it ought to be at church. I wish I had a witness. Some people holler at the football game. They holler at the softball game. They holler at the concert. But at the house of God, they won't holler. 
you say, but I don't know how to holler. Train yourself. Train yourself. When you holler at the ball game, nobody taught you how to do it. You do it because that's the flow of what's going on. The people behind you are hollering. The people in front of you are hollering. And so what do you do? You feel licensed to holler. Well, guess what? You're at the house of God. And I just raised my voice. You ought to be raising your voice. The person behind you is raising their voice. You ought to be raising your voice. The person in front of you raising their voice. You ought to be raising your voice. You say, but pastor, I don't understand the Bible. <clears throat> you don't understand basketball either. You just hollering because they're hollering. When they do something at a basketball game, you lean over and say, what happened? What just happened now? What just happened? Oh, no, he, he did a foul. What is a foul? I didn't see him hit it. No, it wasn't that kind of foul. It was a technical foul. What, technical? What is a technical foul? I don't see him with no calculator, no cell phone out there. That's what technology is. Come on, you don't understand the rules in football. I don't have a witness here. You just hollering because they're running. Look at him run. Go, 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 go. Never dawned on you he's running in the wrong direction. You say, well, well what just happened? Well, that was a touchback. Well, if that was a touchback, then what happened? No, that was a safety. But, they, but he, he went behind the wrong line. Yeah, but when you get points, then you don't get points. So did we get any points? Why are you asking so many questions? You were the one screaming a minute ago. You don't have to understand the Bible to holler in church. Oh, I don't have any help around here. All you got to understand is God is good all the time. And if he's good all the time, I may not know much about the Old Testament or the New Testament. I may not know much about the Pentateuch or the four Gospels. I may not know the difference in the Apocrypha and the Apocalypse. But what I know is he saved me. He healed me. He opened doors for me. He made a way for me. He's all I need. If I understand, he woke me up this morning. He started me on my way. If I understand that he gives me health and strength, he heals my body, he puts food in my refrigerator, he puts clothes on my back and shelter over my head, that's enough for me to say yes. Can anybody say yes? Can anybody say yes? It ought to be lively. It ought to be loud. And it ought to be legitimate. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I want to praise the Lord. I love praising the Lord. I love serving the Lord. That legitimizes my praise. I said it ought to be legitimate. Is anybody here legitimate? Is anybody's faith legitimate? Does anybody want to testify that God is good all the time? That the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Oh! When the wicked, even my enemies, came in upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Wait on the Lord! 
Yes, and be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Let me ask you one thing. Is your worship legitimate? Have you ever waited on the Lord and he saw you through? a song I hear them sing every once in a while. It said I command my hands I command my soul I command my feet to bless the Lord so so bless the Lord hands hands bless the Lord feet feet bless the Lord I command my heart to sing for joy come on I want you to command your hands whether you feel like it or not Come on, let's sing. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to command your feet. Will you feel like it or not? I want you to take a thought over that headache. Take a thought over that feeling of lostness. Take a thought over that tired spirit. And I want you to command yourself to praise the Lord. 